Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. We are now on chapter seven, seven. of Chronomaly. Uh, I'm excited. I think what happened at the end of last episode was very exciting for me personally, because things are coming together. I was validated in my understanding that all of these objects were important, and I'm excited <laughs> to see what happens next. Every episode... Danny creates a room out of her imagination, out of sheer iron willpower. Uh, she forces a room into existence. And we have guests come on and play through the room. And this episode, we have two guests. Uh, we have Gabriel Hicks, also known as Gabe James Games online, and uh, Olivia Petshaft, uh, also known as Ollie Artie. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. The connection that brings both of you on together is you're both currently working on a game called Hidden Treasures. Uh, do you want to give like a rundown of what that game yep, is? The Goblin Dating Simulator. <laughs> I don't know what else needs to be said. <laughs> I, I'm already sold. This is a game that you are designing, Gabe, and, and Ollie, you're working on the art. Is that is that correct? Yep. It's interesting because Olivia is, she's so invested in the story, which I love and I'm so thankful for. But like, we were working one of the characters. She's like, Gabe, I love him. I'm like, Olivia, can you just, I just need the scene. I just need you to draw the characters. And then she made like... <laughs> She made, like, sh shipping fan art. And I'm like, Olivia, you're a canon artist. What's happening? <laughs> you can't make fan art of your own game. Listen, if you see the opportunity, you can't not take it. <laughs> Does that still count as fan art if you're the original no, artist? No, it's just canon now. Like, Sorry. Uh, can J.K. Rowling write fan fiction of Harry see, Potter? See, that's what my question was for Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a whole lot of other stuff. Like, I know especially if you're looking for, for Gabe, you can find Gabe with a whole bunch of other games and streams and voice acting options. Do you want to give like a rundown of, of sort of what you do? Is that, is that possible? Can you, can you encapsulate it? Yes. Okay. So I do voice acting for a lot of indie games as well as a couple different advertisement companies. Um, I do voice acting on a vampire mystery dating game as well as a character in a office supply dating game. And then I also voice <laughs> a, um, he's basically a gay yeti. Um, but I also, I, I play in a couple of different tabletop streams. I'm going to be running a game on Wednesdays. Usually like every other Friday, I play in an all rogue tabletop game. I play in the Witcher tabletop game uh, on Tuesdays. I design games uh, digitally in tabletop. I am designing the Goblin Dating Simulator, but I'm also making uh, technically three different supplements for D&D. I created a cyberpunk tabletop game last year that I'm revamping for this year. I'm also creating a superhero game system that I started a couple months ago. I don't think I sleep now that, yeah, I, sleep is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, there, there are links to a whole bunch of, uh, of all this sort of stuff in the show notes below. So you can go and follow those and support all of the various projects. There's so many of them. Support, like, even if you just support like three of them, you'll be fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, all right, lovely. So uh, every time we have guests on, we ask the same two questions, and I haven't prepped you for these at all, sorry. Uh, but this is a escape room show. So what is your escape room experience? I have, I have done three different escape rooms, but it's all been within the last year. One of them oh. was a murder mystery. One of them was escaping a bomb shelter that was apparently about to be bombed which seems kind of counterproductive when i think about mm -hmm. it whatever it's besides the point uh and then one of them was escaping <laughs> yeah, a saying the shelter yes exactly uh and then one of them was escaping <laughs> a mad scientist's lair classic nice that'll be episode 10 of this arc pretty much so i've only done one escape room 
and it was for a friend's birthday party way back in like freshman year of college. Um, it was a Sherlock Holmes themed escape room, which like a plus, absolutely fantastic. We did not escape, but it was okay because the effort was worth it and it was fun. <laughs> but I do play a lot of games that are like escape rooms. Like <laughs> my friend and I just finished this like three part series that's basically just a bunch of escape rooms. <laughs> Gabe knows exactly which games I'm talking about too, <laughs> and so we would like wait. Tell us, I want, I want. This. It makes no oh. sense. It oh my god, no, no it's the greatest thing ever. Please check it out. They're they're called the it's the Zero Escape series or the Nonary games. Mm -hmm. And so basically we found this one day and we started playing it and we absolutely loved it because they also made the company that made this game made another game we loved. So we started playing it and basically you're trapped on a boat in the first game and there's nine people, nine doors, and nine hours, and you have to get out. And it's fantastic because you have all this like math stuff involved as well and like also the science stuff and like all this nonsense that absolutely makes no sense but like it makes sense when they <laughs> explain it and it's fantastic and we absolutely loved it and we managed to awesome. beat all three games <laughs> but like i'd be sitting okay? here like it was fantastic oh my god it was wonderful and we um so we'd play online and he'd be controlling it because he had the game console and i'd be the one helping solve the puzzles because I can't control the game, but like I'm able to <laughs> help solve the puzzles. So like teamwork. Man. That's that classic younger sibling gameplay. <laughs> and, uh, and then the other aspect of this show is this show is a mix between escape rooms and tabletop role-playing. And I'm assuming the answer to this might be a little bit more from Gabe, especially. Uh, what is your tabletop role-playing experience? I've been playing tabletop games, not too much, but a lot. Uh, in the last like <laughs> five years, uh, I've so I've developed one. I've in the past five months, I've written for four different ones. Interestingly enough, <laughs> um, nice. So it's it's decent, <laughs> lovely. Uh, and and Olivia, yeah. So I actually only started playing tabletop games probably like three to four years ago, and I. I don't know. I've been making more characters than I have been able to play. So Oh yeah. Nice. I'll like make That's the characters the and then classic have... dilemma. Yeah, exactly. So like I'll make all these characters <laughs> and then have nowhere to play them. And it's been it's been kind of challenging because I used to play we had a D and D club at my school, at my college. And mm. my roommate and I would go and we'd like they had a really cool setup where it was like the first time around we all had like dungeon masters, but then it got bigger. And like, um, because most of the DMs were seniors at that point, we basically had a setup where it was like, we were all part of this one guild and we were given like different assignments each time we had a session. And so we just played it like that. Oh, nice. And That's so like fun. everyone was part of an overarching story, but you wouldn't always play with like the same people, but it would still connect. And that was pretty cool. And I kind of miss it a lot. That is good. That's well, that's so grown up. Like how adults need to play these games when it's so hard to get yeah, everyone together or consistently. Together. <laughs> it is. It does work well. All right. Well, I think Danny, we're probably ready to get going. Yeah, I think it sounds like it. Shall we get into our seventh time travel adventure? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's be real. You two are basically, look, you're failing physics. You don't know why you took the subject in the first place. So when your teacher, Doc Bill, called you to his lab to participate in his very important work, it's basically a living nightmare. And when you turn up at his lab, all the other students are there watching you. It does not make it any better. It makes it much worse. 
Your brains feel fuzzy as you take in his explanation of what's going on. Time travel? His meddling assistant saving the universe? You nod mutely as uh, he hands you some watches to bring you back to the present later, and he ushers you straight into a big machine over to your left. This is all a blur. All the other students wave cheerfully, and you think they're being nice, but... They might just be happy to see you leaving. This whole thing is super weird. But you can't even think about it too much because before you know it, one of the students presses a button on the side of the machine and you are just zapped into a vortex of time. The process doesn't feel as awkward or molecule-destroying as you would have expected, and actually, you feel fine. A little dizzy. That's it. Uh, maybe you're just really good at time travel. You take a look around to see where and when you have ended up. You appear to be in a science lab, but it's kind of a casual low-key one. It doesn't look anything like Doc Bill's fancy one. You can't be too far into the past. You want to estimate less than a century for sure. Maybe 80, 90 years? The floors in here are wooden, and there are big windows at the top of the room overlooking a garden. In the centre of the room, there's a long table with some equipment bits and pieces on it. It looks like various electromagnetic things. Like, you see a stack of cables, then a row of magnets, and a big, electric-y-looking box, probably a generator. There's another big table against the right wall, this time with chemistry stuff on it. There are two long rows of beakers. One row is full of colourful stuff, and one row is dark and gunky. There's an apparatus set up for titration, which you recognise from school. Basically... A very, very long, thin tube would be a good (laughs) illustration for that. And sitting alone down the end of that table is a set of measuring scales. So where you are, which is by the front door in the south wall, there's a little area off to your left that looks more suited to someone's living room than a laboratory. There's a rocking chair with a long side table upon which sits a huge old radio and a book that looks like a diary. Now, over in the top left, you see that the wall gives way to a glass door leading to some annexed extra room. You're about to start exploring when you hear something... It's a little spine-tingling. From that table with the radio, you hear your names. Baffled, you walk over to it. You take cautious steps just in case, because you never know, maybe there are some secret trick hazards of time travel. And you listen. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? That's Doc Bill's voice crackling through the old speaker. Apparently, when you're this close to the present and a device not currently in use is near you, my computer can pick up your activity and send through a transmission. Okay, that seems wild, but hey, what do you know? You don't understand physics. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, science can do everything. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is, well, the readings I'm getting from where you are. Paris in 1933 are off the charts in terms of radioactivity. There's something, or possibly several things, giving off huge amounts of radiation nearby. And these projections show that if not contained soon, it will spread. It could be a danger to the entire city. The 30s are a very precarious time in European history, and we do not want to risk making anything worse. Contain that radiation! The radio statics, and you see smoke come out the back of it. With a sudden spark, the wires light up with a crackle and the whole thing dies. And that's when you hear the noise of a door softly closing behind you. You turn and you see a young woman, mid-twenties at most, with a bewildered look on her face. 
Now, from what you just heard, you're in the 1930s. There's radiation around. You're in a science lab. Do you have any guesses as to who this woman might be? Uh, Marie Curie. You venture that guess, and you say, Marie Curie? The young woman blinks, and she shakes her head, and you're about to feel silly, but when she responds in her tinged accent, Ah, sorry, Madame Curie has been called off to deliver an address to the League of Nations. She will not be back for several days. I'm Rebecca, her assistant. She looks at the radio. Did... Did that just say that Madame's work is a danger to the city? Ah, okay, um, look, you probably don't want to give away too much to her. I mean, they have to learn some things for themselves. Uh, better just find out what's causing this problematic radiation leak and get it to safety. What, whatever or wherever that might be. I kind of want to check out... Wait, I want to read the diary. <laughs> All right. You head over to the left, you look at that side table, you pick up the diary. Uh, you seem to recall having heard that after all of her work with radiation, everything Marie Curie ever owned is still, in your time, too toxic to handle without protective wear, including her diary. So you'll, you'll make this a quick one. On the first page of the diary, you see a map of this very lab, which is, I don't know, helpful, I guess. It's, it's even got coordinates. It's a six by six grid. Her handwriting is small and difficult to read, and, well, you flip through the pages, and none of it's even in English. Okay. Gabe, is there any place that's, like, calling out to you? Um, the the generator box on the long table seems interesting. All right, so you wander over to the electromagnetics table, you look at this presumed generator, and so, normally, what you know about generators, they generate electricity. But this one doesn't look particularly functional. Normally there'd be some sort of wheel or crank or just something to spin to make power happen, but there's nothing. There is a section on the side where something is clearly missing. And there's a hole in the back that looks almost like a big empty battery compartment. Can I take the magnet with me? <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at those magnets, there's actually is a neat collection of them so they're all just big bar magnets not the curvy ones just straight up rectangle magnets oh whoops <laughs> i, I like... think i drew a bunch of little oh no yeah, I, I drew I, a I curly one drawing as well i drew a curly one because it's a magnet come on whatever uh but yeah some of these magnets are like as long as your finger some of them are actually kind of huge like there's one that's as big as your shin and you have no idea what Marie Curie was picking up with that, but yeah, there's a big variety. So you can take a magnet with you. You can wander around with one, but you get to choose what size. Well, wait a minute. If they're all like, can I put them in order of size? Just for funsies. They're already very neat. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Never mind. Very then. much I, in order already. I thought hidden puzzle, but never mind. <laughs> Not fair. Uh, no, I'm, I'll leave it for now. <laughs> I don't think I need a magnet just yet until I can figure out what size magnet I'm going to need for what. Gabe, is anything else calling out to you? Not it, uh, uh, the measuring scales. Let's see if they have anything in them at all. If there was anything being measured beforehand. Yeah. Do they look like, like, like the judgment scales? Like, you know, the feather versus the heart? <laughs> um, they don't. So this is actually only like a singular. The, these scales are all singular ones. So they're not two things balancing against each other. It's just one thing with a little gauge at the bottom that tells you how much a thing weighs. That sort of scale. 
So kind of like a kitchen one. You're used to using electronic ones in class, but eh, these are okay. So whatever you need to measure, you just sit it on top and the little dial moves across numbers at the bottom. This is a pretty precise looking scale. Uh, it only goes up to five grams, but it can tell you the mass of something to the one hundredth of a gram. Can we look in the, if we're still at this table, because we're, we're already at this table. Can we look at, I'm going to skip the tritation system just for the moment. Can we look at the beakers? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Would you like to look at the nice ones or the gunky ones? I kind of want to look at the gunky ones first. Of course you do. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Call me okay, so game. Each of these many, many small beakers is full of water containing a suspension of the same inky black gross stuff. It looks like whatever it is, it grew off something expired. These beakers are labeled with one or two letters each. They almost look like periodic table symbols, but you are never very good at memorizing that and you don't see one in the lab, so you can't know for sure. Okay. Can we check out the colored ones too? Yeah. This one's a lot easier to handle. There are eight beakers of these colored ones. Each one is a different color. And if you just go from left to right, you see purple, white, gold, red, blue, black, silver, and green. These ones are unlabeled. Did you say how many there were of the, the black ones? I said many, many. <laughs> many, okay. <laughs> Some some number, but probably doesn't matter. Because I said I said a dozen or so in the playtest, and Billy thought that was specific enough that you should have been able to go through them one by one. I went, well, I don't want that. It is now many. Fair. A bunch. I love that. All right. I guess while we're still here, the tritation. Yeah, that's right. All right. So this titration equipment. Now, you may have done this at school. Your characters certainly have. Um, you were never the best at using it. So to describe what this looks like, it's a long tube called a burette, which is full of clear liquid. There's a little valve at the bottom, like a nozzle. And if you turn it, it allows the liquid to drip out into a conical flask. This flask at the bottom also has liquid in it. And the idea is that if you drip the right amount in, a reaction will occur between the two liquids. And it's basically trial and error, a.k.a. drip until something happens. Oh, we can do that. Oh, we're going to need to use the vials for that. Woohoo. All right, let's go. Um, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Okay, so can we look out to the garden? Mm. Oh, sure. You want to look out. Take a look out the windows. So these windows, they face the back of the building. It's a lush and slightly overgrown garden out there. You can open and close the windows easily. It is ground floor, but the windows aren't so big that you can just jump out. You aren't sure if this glass is doing anything to keep radiation inside, but you can't imagine much. You do see something sitting in the grass not too far from the window. There's a narrow metal-looking item. You aren't sure what it is, but it definitely doesn't look like a garden ornament. All right. Can I take one of the wires wrap it around one of the medium-sized magnets and chuck it out the window to try and grab it. Okay, so this is interesting. The thing on the ground, it's sort of close. Like, if you lean your arm out the window, you can almost get there. It's not too far away. Uh, but actually, you bring up an interesting point. These wires are... Well, obviously, wires have changed a little bit over time mm -hmm. because these this stack of cables doesn't look quite like what you're used to. Uh, you know how most wires nowadays, they have that thick plastic covering for insulation. Uh, apparently, 
insulation back in the day was a little different because these ones are not soft and rubbery and malleable. They are solid and straight. They seem to be porcelain. Oh. Okay. They're also all different, all different colored porcelain. People got decorative with it. Like some of them are standard, like you've got a black and a silvery gray one, but you got some brighter ones. Like there's a blue one and a green one and a gold one, that sort of thing. Wait, what are the colors of the wires? But you got a whole variety of colors. Yeah, black and silvery gray and blue and green and gold. But there are more. I just haven't bothered to say all of them. Okay. Which sound like the eight colors of the tubes. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, hmm. That makes but, sense. Okay, so wait. If I took a magnet and like stuck my arm out with the magnet, would I possibly be able to reach the the metal object in the garden? If you take the biggest magnet you can find and hold it with both hands, you can stretch your body like out as far as you can go without just sort of collapsing onto the window ledge. And can I hold Olivia you out do the window? make contact with the mystery object. <laughs> to make it easier. You, uh, the window <laughs> is just too small for that. It's really the magnet's fault, though. It's not, it's not hers. <laughs> but you get it? Yeah, you absolutely, you managed to get it. You can help pull her back in, though, if you'd like oh, to go please. the other nah, direction. She's, she's fine. She's fine. She's got this. Gabe! <laughs> all right, exercise. I'll, oh, my God. I'll all right, get a in. lot of exercise. Yeah, pull you back <laughs> right. in. All right, so you finally make it back in. You take a look at what you've just picked up. Uh, you wrench it off the magnet, and you take a look, and this thing, it's a long shaft with a handlebar at one end, and at the other end, some sort of... Man, you don't know how to describe it. A connecty sort of piece at the other, like it attaches to something. Can I check the the frick? What's the name? Um, generator. Thank you. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, can that I try and put it in the generator? <laughs> so there was a spot at the side of the generator, like something was missing, and you put it in, and it fits perfectly. You notice as you're doing that that the whole thing is a little bit lighter than you expected. Uh, you can lift it up and move it around if you want. And as you do that, you see there's something written on the bottom of this generator. It's written in French by the looks of it, though. Do we know? what? Can we understand what's written or no? Nah, French was never your language. Gotcha. Okay. That's true. Uh, Gabe, is there anything interesting to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, because I just kind of... No, it's fine. I'm, I'm making notes. I'm glad that you're asking questions. Let's let's see if there's anything written on the generator that matches anything that's in the journal, because then there maybe is diagrams or something related to it. Oh, true. Okay. This is interesting. So you can tell that the thing on the generator is written in French, but when you go back to the diary, the handwriting, again, very difficult to read, but you aren't sure if it's written in French. The diary or the, the yeah, generator? Yeah, the diary. The generator, you can definitely tell is French. There are just a couple of the little words there is that there... you recognize as French, even if you don't know what they mean. But yeah, not the diary. The diary just seems to be a language that you're not as straightforward familiar so with. So maybe she read okay. it in a cipher. That's possible. Probably. We'll have to find that later if it's possible. Yeah. Um, but what's behind? Can we see through the glass door? Absolutely. So you look through the glass door and you see a small room there and there's another desk. It has two objects sitting on it. One of them is a closed briefcase and the other one is a glass jar. 
However, you can reach neither because the door will not open. Now, it's not that it's locked. You actually couldn't say one way or the other. Uh, it has no doorknob, just a small hole where a doorknob should be. I think there might not be a way. We might have to open the door, Gabe, I think, with this. We may have to like find <laughs> like some sort of like, <laughs> we may not be able to crash our way through this. I mean, it's a glass they, door. Wait a I don't know. I, <laughs> one of these things has to be acid. That glass door. That glass door might be really important to history. At, but we're dumb. You know. said we're dumb. You led with that. <laughs> no, no. She said you were bad at physics. Okay, well, I'm Wait, learning okay. physics by crashing through a glass, a glass door. I think you're correct. Gabe, I think we should. I think we should. Yeah, okay, no, no, it's okay. You try, to, you try to crash through that door, but your frail 17-year-old body cannot get through it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, okay. Hold on a minute. So, can I sit in the rocking chair for a hot second? Oh, totally. You sit down in it. It's not the comfiest. It's unpolished wood. It's only got a single very thin cushion. Uh, the wooden part seems normal. It rocks as normal. Okay, the cushion, though. There's something you don't like about it. Um, the surface texture is kind of odd. So when you stand up from it, it has that slight peely feeling almost like it's got stains on it but you can't see any but you could feel them okay can i like squeeze the pillow you (laughs) (laughs) you can do whatever you want to that pillow but it's it doesn't show you anything okay and i don't like do is you can still just tell from touching it that there's something odd about the surface of this cushion Right. So it's it's something off about the surface of the cushion. Is it both sides of it that like feel wrong? No, just one, just just the top side. Yeah, and it feels like there's some sort of old stain on it that I sniff it. Um, smells like science. That's... <laughs> yeah, it smells it. It smells like science. Let's go with that. <laughs> hey, is Rebecca still in the room? That's a good question. Is Rebecca just watching us? Oh yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, what's this? What's this stain on the pillow? I I don't see any stain, but I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me if stains happen in here. Wh- what are you doing here again? D- do I know you? Yes. Uh... <laughs> oh, okay. Sweet. It's me, Marie Curie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what, uh, Rebecca? My eyes are not what they used to be. What does this say on the generator? <laughs> uh, she looks at it. She looks back and goes, oh, I had no idea something was written there. Uh, that says, put in correct place and it will work. Are you lovely? And then I walk out of Olivia and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, if we put it in the correct place, it will work. Amazing. That's great. I check the side table. I check the like the bottom of the side table. I check like Hey. Yes. Can we put the generator on the cushion? That's weird, but yeah, sure. I'm gonna put the generator on the cushion. Alright. You give it a try. It sits on the rocking chair. The generator looks like it's having a nice relaxing time, but it doesn't <laughs> give you any indication that this is the correct place for it. Well, it's worth a shot. As for that side table. It seems to be just purely functional as a means of holding that diary and that radio. And, like, it would be weird to have them on the floor, so a table had to be there. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. 
<laughs> okay. The average tables. Cool. So, I guess I want to try and put a little bit of one of the black beakers into the titration system and see what happens. You take one of the black gunky beakers and you reach up to the top of the burette, the big titration tube, and you start to try to pour it in. But apparently the surface tension of this black gunky stuff is so extreme, it like sticks to the lip of the beaker and it does not want to pour in at all. Gotcha. Okay. No, probably, so... probably for the best because there's already liquid in the burette. So mm. who knows what that is and what you'd be messing up. Okay, okay. I'm going to grab a magnet and then wave it past the colorful vials. Nothing happens. They seem to be okay. all normal. So none of them are magnetically reactive. I, I'm going to take a no. sniff of the colorful ones to see if any of mm -hmm. them smell specifically like the science that I also tasted. <laughs> That's fair. Which one would you like to pick up and sniff? Uh, I'm going to say the blue one. All right. So you pick up the blue one and it's... Nice. It's room temperature. It's, it's, it's just right. You give it a sniff and it has no smell whatsoever. All right. I'm going to try the silver one. The silver one? Exactly the same. As you pick up some more of them, now the silver one and the blue one weren't very interesting, but <laughs> that was just bad luck in the choosing. You pick up a different one. You go for the leftmost one, the purple one, and... You find this one is not room temperature. It still has no smell, but this one is cold. It is really cold. Okay. And then the the one next to it, the white one, is really hot. And if you go through those just a little bit more, you will also find that the uh, red and the black ones are cold. The green one is hot. And the rest all seem to be room temperature. Should I assume none of them have scents, per se? Yeah, none of them. None of them. Okay. Purple, red, and black are cold. White and green are hot. And gold was room temperature because it wasn't any of the different yep. ones. Okay. Yep. Gold, blue, and silver were room temperature. Nice. Okay, okay, okay. So How did you just happen to pick two room temperature ones? <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> so let's see. Rebecca's still in the room, yeah? Uh huh. Can we ask her, Rebecca? Hey. Yes. Um, hi. Do you know what is labeled next to these black vials? Uh, look, I've got to be honest. Um, Madame Curie just asked me in here to make sure that everything was as it should be while she was gone and make sure that, you know, no nothing got damaged. Uh, I, I don't actually know too much about the specifics of what she's doing. Honestly, I've, I've got my own research going on. So I'm, I'm not that invested in all of this stuff here. What are you researching? Oh, whole, whole bunch of stuff. It's so interesting. Uh, remind me to tell you about it sometime. <laughs> okay, I see how this is. Well, if your job is to keep everything as it should be, is everything in the room currently as it should be? Or is there something that is there anything that was like misplaced or anything at all? I mean, everything looks like it belongs. It is a little unusual for Madame Curie to leave so much set up and out and about at this stage, but I suppose she was called off in a hurry. But that's about it. I don't see anything astoundingly out of place. Wait, what was set up? Oh, things like that uh, titration there. Seems strange, doesn't it? It's all set up and ready to go, but isn't done. That's a little odd. What do you mean it's not done? Uh... 
Well, to do the titration, you have to actually drip the liquid from the burette into the conical flask, and that hasn't been done. It's ready to be titrated. It's ready for someone to see the reaction occurring, but it just hasn't happened yet. Okay, thank you. I'm going to go over there and turn it so, like, one drop happens. <laughs> you do so. You turn that little valve and you let the burette drip one droplet out. And that is how titration has to be done. It has to go droplet by droplet. That first droplet, often when you do titrations, you see the slightest hint of a reaction that then goes away. So for a second, for a split second, you see a flash of pink, but then it's gone and it's all clear again. And what that means is that not enough has reacted. So you would keep going at that point. Okay, I'm going to do two more drops. I feel like I gotta be, I gotta be super I'm not terrible gonna, with this. I'm not gonna let you destroy it, don't worry. Okay. Alright, so you let it keep dripping. Droplet by agonizingly slow droplet. Must be two doesn't cut it. It feels like 200 before anything happens. But all of a sudden, the two liquids together both just turn vivid pink and they stay vivid pink. And not only that, they start steaming. All of the moisture starts evaporating. And pretty soon, all that's left is a grainy pink powder. Okay, cool. I'm going to measure the powder on the machine, the measurement scale. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Words. <laughs> you, <laughs> you take your pink powder and you tip it out onto the scale and you calculate precisely 3.23 grams. Okay. I don't know what quite to do with this pink powder yet, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I feel like we're going to have to mix it with something. So I'm going to leave that there and not touch it until further notice when we have a chance to figure out what the heck That happened. seems fair. <laughs> I ask Rebecca um, if she knows what any of these vials have inside of them. Any of them. Oh, I wish. Uh, she... She makes all sorts of combinations of whatever she can find. I'd be surprised if she knew exactly what they were. Sweet. Um, can I show her the diary and see if she knows what language this is written in? Uh, she takes the diary and she flips through it and she shakes her head and says, Ah, oh, sorry. Uh, she wrote everything in her native Polish because Marie Curie was Polish. Her husband was the French one. And... She says, um, yeah, so I, I, sorry, I never learned Polish. I can't read a word. Oh, oh, there's a little bit of French just on this one page. Only a okay. tiny bit. I, I don't know why that's different. Um, it says, finally, a way to tighten things up. And it's shown, that sentence is below a series of diagrams. And that's a picture that Bill has just sent to you in the chat. Uh, for people at home, you can see this image in the show notes below uh, so you can have a look if you would like. But if you don't have the capacity to do that right now, Gabe is going to describe exactly what it looks like for you. So uh, what we do see is we do see a just notebook page. There is plenty of writing, which is assumedly Polish. There is... Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it, we'll, we'll do the time. If there's, there's four circles in a diagonal from top left to bottom right, the top left one has an arrow that goes around the circle from... 12 to 6. The second one has an arrow that's actually going from 6 to 3. The third one has an arrow going around the circle from 3 to 12. 
And then the fourth one has an arrow going from 12 to 9. And in the bottom left, there's like a box written around a note, and then something is underlined. R-E-S-S-E-R-R-E-R. And Rebecca points that and says, yes, that's the word that means uh, tighten up. Hey guys, just wanted to chime in. So for room owners out there who are missing playing their games, for room enthusiasts out there who are missing playing the games even more, uh, I wanted to direct you to livevideoescaperooms.com. This is run by Tom, our friend at BuzzShot, and it's a place where the community can still gather and discuss all of the ways that different people in the industry are putting their rooms into a virtual space so that everyone can still play from home. And there are so many different things going up there. It's not just your Zoom rooms. It's not just your audio-only tabletop-like escape rooms. There are all sorts of things going on out there. And at Live Video Escape Rooms, room owners can find tips so that they can learn how to grow and move their own businesses and see interviews with other room owners who have done it, who have made the transition. And there are a whole heap of recommendations out there for those of you who are just itching to play another one. There's so much going on and it's a really great way to keep supporting the escape room community and the escape room industry when no one can actually get out there and play a game. So if that's you, if you are wanting to join the virtual space, either as a player or a creator, go for it. Go now. Now. Okay. So I'm guessing this has something to do with the generator, but... I don't think we have the part for it yet. Oh, no, it's probably the crank. Oh, um, yeah, because it's telling, us how, to, it like telling it us how to crank it. Yeah, probably. So I drew it on my notes. So that makes sense. We've got, we've got <laughs> this. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Um, no problem. Whatever you need for translating work, I suppose. Can I, like, does the generator look like it can contain flasks in it? Like, can you, like, plug flasks into this? No, it doesn't look like that. So now that you've got the crank attached to it, the only the only sort of gap space on it is at the back where it looks almost like a battery compartment. You don't quite know if that's how an old generator would work. That doesn't feel quite right, but that's what that's the only space that's left on it. So Interesting. there's a solid chance that we have to power the generator with the cables connected to something. But the question is what we connect the cables to. Magnets um, You do are often not used... see any cable spots on the generator, like any space okay. for cables to be plugged into. Like it looks like a literal battery, like a, like a big like double D battery sort of like thing, not like a... That's not the like... sort of... Yeah, that's the sort of space it looks like. Okay, cool. So... I want to see how big did you say is the tiny hole in the glass door? Oh, that, let's say, okay, so a doorknob would attach to it, but it's not like the full size of the doorknob. So, I don't know, a large coin? What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be too it wouldn't be too big. You could probably stick a finger through it, yeah. but not a big magnet. Okay. It's somewhere between the size of a finger and a big magnet. <laughs> so, there's Cable magnets, generator box, cam stuff, beakers, dark gunky, colorful apparatus, titration, uh, measuring scales, rocking chair, side table, radio, diary. Um, we did look for the glass door. Uh, can we look at the radio? Just like I know it fizzled out, but can we look at it? Absolutely. So as you can tell, going back over to the radio, there are three wires sticking out the back of it. Absolutely fried. 
whatever technology Doc Bill used to communicate through it must have overloaded its old system. Beyond that, though, it looks normal. You know, obviously older than what you're used to, but that's okay. You think you can understand how it would work. Also, on the front of it, you notice that there's a picture stuck to it, kind of like an old school sticker. It looks like a person hugging themselves, like as if bracing from a cold wind. Okay. What was the radio powered by? By the cables. Like It was just plugged into a wall. There's one other thing that you can look at in this room that I don't believe you gave described when you said your picture because it's such a forgettable thing. Yes. this uh, Looking at this has become a motto of our show. Can we look this at the one? door we came in? You always check the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebecca was standing there. I didn't think... <laughs> Well, let's check the door she's standing in. <laughs> cool, so she, just, she just keeps moving in front. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to check this door behind me? This door. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I in your way? Uh, you go over to the front door and you take a good look at it. Now, it is bulky. It's big. It's wooden, but you can. T- it's not going to keep radiation contained. Wherever the hell this radiation is, you still haven't found what's causing it. Now, you do know that you're going to need something super strong to contain radiation, like thick cement, thick steel, something like that. That's the only way that you can contain it. You give this uh, front door's doorknob a quick turn and, yep, the door opens, but you shut it again immediately. I mean, you can't just escape into Paris. That's not going to help anyone. (laughs) Oh, contraire. We can just flee. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, we won't do that. Wait, did you trick us <laughs> to looking at the door and then the door was useless? You think that door was useless? <laughs> <laughs> it it feels pretty useless. But maybe it's not. Wait, Wait okay, let's take the on, door let's take on. the let's take the doorknob. We're just gonna take the doorknob if we can. But how do we yeah. get the doorknob off? Rebecca I need question. a screwdriver. <laughs> well, we could always just put a foot on it and yank the doorknob. I don't know if that's a great you idea, tr- but... Can we try? You look, you give it a go. You try yanking, but it doesn't seem like straight up pulling it out is something that's going to work. You think that it might be a twistable, but it's very tight. Wow, can we twist it in the way that we saw in the diagram? You can. Tell me about that. Tell, tell me okay. what you're doing to it. So I'm going to twist it halfway around to the right. So that's mm-hmm. 90 degrees. No, that's 180 degrees. That's 180 degrees to the right? Yep. yep. I'm cool. going to turn it a quarter of the way back to the left. So 90. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn it three quarters of the way around to the right. 270. Mm-hmm. And then a quarter back to the left. 90. Cool. You go through that and you pull again and you try to twist it again to open it up. It seems like it's even more firmly lodged into its hole than it was before. Mm. So Nifty. we reverse that. <laughs> And see if that helps. I mean, the instructions in the book did say that that was to tighten things up. So doing the opposite is probably going to work this time. Okay. So oh, you do the yeah, exact was- opposite. <laughs> you, you do the exact opposite of what the diary's instructions say. And now and you have to do it twice, twice because you double tightened it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> And once you've done that, the doorknob falls off into your hands. Okay, cool. 
<laughs> Sorry, Gabe. And we take it to the other one and then do the proper <laughs> Titan this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get that going. And yep, they must have had identical plans, these doors, because this one fits perfectly. You twist it the right way this time. And the door now opens. You can enter this little baby room. I'll make Olivia Huzzah! go first. I don't want to go in this. Olivia, you're going first. Fine, I'll go in <laughs> first. I want to see what's in that suitcase. Actually, can I check and see if the suitcase is enough to like contain some sort of chemical radiation? A get for radiation, especially a huge amount of radiation, it's something like a thick block of cement is all that blocks it. Oh, it's not like it's not like a secret suitcase that's like somehow made of steel or something. I mean, maybe it is. That's Even a bit of a tough were, call, it but it's steel. probably still thin enough. Too thin. Not in the thirties. Anyway, you take a look at this briefcase, and it's a briefcase, so it has a lock on it. It's a three-digit combination lock, and there's a picture sort of etched into the top of it. It looks like a water droplet. You suppose just from this little picture, you can't guarantee it's meant to be water, but yeah, three-digit lock and a droplet. Uh, three, two, okay, three. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we're gonna get, we're gonna get, hang on, Gabe, get the, go get the, <laughs> hang on. No, hang I'm on. just gonna try three, two, it's a combination lock, I can be wrong. I'm gonna yeah, try three, two, no, three. No, get the gold and white. Three, two, three. No, it's, I'm gonna try the three, two, three on the combination lock is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Three, two, three was the number that you got from the droplets of titration that you did. And so you try three, two, three, and the briefcase unlocks. Oh, jokes. My brain thought that droplet meant go get the liquid. <laughs> no, Olivia. It's just a number. <laughs> you, cool, we you got open the up the briefcase. Though. Yeah, you open up this briefcase and inside you find a fist-sized chunk of metal and there's a label beneath it that says polonium. All right. Hey, let's put the polonium in the generator. It's an, a bit of an awkward chunk. It's not a very nice, neat shape. So you try to shove it in there and it doesn't fit. But great. You now have access to polonium. Can't be stressed enough how you shouldn't play with it too much because, you know, you don't want to be rubbing it all over you like they did in the 30s. Yes, it is very, very radioactive. But that's it. I'm going to keep it on the table. We can just <laughs> close the briefcase. That's okay. That's okay. You do have to mess with things a little bit. And actually, when you picked it up to move it around, you noticed something. While it's sitting in the briefcase on the table, it just looks totally inert. It's just a silver lump. But as you lift it and move it around, it starts to glow. Not much, and not all the time. It's like different levels of glow, depending on where you move it. Can we drag it around the room and see where it glows the brightest? Yeah, it's almost like you're playing hot and cold with it. So you... Oh, don't say that. You can't add more repetition no, to this beaker colors. Yep. Inadvertent. <laughs> you... Take the polonium, you move it around a lot, and you follow where it's glowing the brightest. And it gets stronger over over to the right, wait, then, then the back. Okay, it seems to be taking you towards the bottom right corner of this little annex room. There's one patch of wall that it's especially drawn to, glowing extra brightly. And uncertainly, you touch the wall, and, oh, that's weird. Um, This isn't a wall here. This is extremely well camouflaged. It's another case. I take the jar. Ooh, okay. Let's take a look at this jar. So yeah, you now have your polonium briefcase, the second camouflaged case, and this glass jar, on the other hand. This glass jar is labelled uranium, and there is a small chunk of metal sitting in it. You don't know how well glass prevents radiation from uranium, but again, probably not well. Everything you've heard is concrete or steel. 
but the jar has a little glass handle on top, so it seems to want to be carried around. And it's got an eerie glow about it that casts all sorts of funny shadows on the table. Like, you know how a black light works in an escape room? Um, you put it over the walls and it will show you... Let's shine it in, over, the pre- over the... Over the spot? Yeah, the cushion. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right, sometimes so I you... get too excited and I forget words. But it's okay. <laughs> I'll get them eventually. <laughs> All right. So you pick up the glass jar by the handle and you take it out over to the funny, suspicious cushion. And... A hidden image reveals itself on the black fabric. Woo! Now, what this is, it's a picture. It's three rectangles, sort of. Each rectangle has something a little bit altered about it. So the first rectangle has a little N written on one end. The second rectangle only has three sides. It looks sort of like one of those quick drawings you have to do in science class diagrams. And a three-sided rectangle, as far as you know, represents a beaker. And the third rectangle has a little semicircle attached to the top, like a little handle. So we've got a briefcase, a beaker, and the... What the heck is a rectangle with an N? Uh, either something related to the magnets. Uh, it could be related to nitrogen. Do we have nitrogen? I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm mm. not going to assume we do off that. The little N is specifically written on one end of the rectangle. Oh, it's it's polarities of magnets. Okay, so it's a magnet, a beaker, and okay. So can we put a magnet and the beaker? Uh, is there uh, so I'm? What's in the other guessing, case? What? What's in the other case? Yeah, you haven't opened the other. Oh yeah, well, the let's, other yeah case. let's open the other case. Okay. All right. So you go back into the other room. You find your camouflage case, and it's locked with a four-letter combination lock. <laughs> Why are you like this, Marie? Cool. Why are you like this? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the other one contained her Nobel Prize winning creation eh, of polonium. That's so. <laughs> um, true, true. Is it is it uh, the entire alphabet or is it specific letters that are available? Whole alphabet. I don't know. Try pink. Try pink. <laughs> okay. It does, it does not work. And okay. part of you also just sort of goes, oh, man, even if it were pink, it would probably be the French or Polish word for pink. And I don't know those. Oh, you're right. I asked Rebecca what Marie, uh, Marie's favorite word was. <laughs> yeah, it was Rebecca. Okay, go away. You're just That's why she hired me. <laughs> That's concerning. It's not your capability for science? All right. Now I understand why... I, now Gabe understands oh. why Rebecca didn't make it in the history books. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, Gabe, do you think that the combo has to do with the colorful flasks? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, okay, so let's see. We've got the cables we didn't use the cables we haven't really used the magnets we have to get the generator to the right place true oh we do have to get the generator to the right place um okay um so how many the the uranium doesn't fit with the shape anywhere to the generator no, it doesn't. It, again, it's a bit irregular and lumpy, so even if you took it out of its jar, it doesn't fit in there either. Okay. Mm. And the jar itself wouldn't fit in because it's got that oh, little yeah, handle on top. And it's, it's kind of big. Kind of a weird mm-hmm. shape, so it's not going to fit in. 
the polonium was reacting to something inside of the case. So we can assume that's mm-hmm. another substance of some sort. So we've got two colors that are hot, three that are cold, and three that are room temp. Like when when you say cold, do they feel like they're the same levels of cold, or is one like like the yeah? Hot? They all feel like yes. they've come straight out of a fridge. Okay. What you said there was a whole bunch of color wire. That's like yes. Would you say that there's the amount of colors that correspond with the same colors of the vials? Hmm, looking at them like that, they do seem to match those colored vials. Can I yeah. stick the corresponding color? wires into the corresponding color vials you can and it looks really good but it doesn't do anything i got stuck on that for a long time when i was playtesting this room <laughs> i put these colored wires and colored vials I was like i'm done the puzzle is solved but you hadn't you hadn't figured out the <laughs> temperatures yet at that point okay oh okay yes. okay 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 you're getting there could we use any of these wires to replace wires in the radio, or is it too small? No, that's absolutely almost exactly the same. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, what I think I thought these the wires radio? were significantly bigger. That makes much more sense. No. Uh, no yeah, they, they, they're similar to the wires that, that were originally connected to the radio that got burnt out. Now, the thing about when you look at the radio wires, the three wires connected to the back of it... They also have porcelain, but they look like they are such old wires. All the color has rubbed off them. So they're now just this very neutral, beigey nothing. So you have no idea what colors they were. Uh, and what color What color wires do we have? The radio's got a picture on it of someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 we need the black, the red, and the purple wires. Why is that? Because they're cold. <laughs> You want the wires that match the cold liquids because the radio says cold. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> Thank you for reading my thoughts. You take your red, purple, and black wires and you stick them into the back of the radio. Then you stick the other end into the old school power outlet, which actually isn't all that different from what you're used to. Yeah, doing research into old cables and old wall outlets and things like that. Surprisingly similar since the 1800s. And instantly, the radio powers back up. But it isn't Doc Bill's voice that comes out of it this time. You hear a female voice. It's like a very clear, punctuated, but... Mont- m- monotonous sort of voice speaking in French but you don't even need Rebecca to help you translate this one you can tell really obviously what it is this is like day one French you can hear A five D one F six and that's it Okay, okay. So we got A5D1F6, which, what did the, we we said we didn't, we couldn't read what was under the black beakers, right? Wasn't there something? Um, like, you can see there, but they look sort of like just um ele- element symbols. So they're either just one or two letters, but you, you think they might be periodic table elements, but you're not 100% sure. Was there okay. something about, like, a map or coordinates that was said earlier? Oh, there was. in the diary, there was a, yeah. the boxes. And it was a, uh, the room. 
Yeah, this you found on the first page of the diary a map of this room that was cut up into a six by six grid. Okay, I guess the question is, were there any numbers or letters already on the six by six grid? Uh, let's say, yeah. So as a six by six grid, it's marked uh, A to F along the bottom and one to six along the side uh, going up. Wait, one at the bottom and six at the top? Like one next yes. to A? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we need to check the top right-hand corner of the room. Yeah. Can we check the top right-hand corner of the room? Yeah, cool. So you go to that sort of area, so that's the F6, and you take a look, yeah. and, okay, as far as you can tell, this corner of room is exactly the same as every other patch of room. You don't see anything unusual about it. And you try the same for A5 and D1, and... And there doesn't seem to be anything special about these places. But, I mean, clearly these coordinates are used for something. Because I basically have it that D1 would be, like, right next to the door. Mm. And then, yeah, like, that's A5 fair. would be right next to, like, the glass door. That's exactly how I drew it. Yay. It's Yay. the opposite to how I did it. <laughs> I tap the floor in each of those spots. Does it feel... Like there's anything below it since it is wooden floor? Uh, you give him a tap and it does, you know, there's a bit of hollowness, but as you tap around, you feel like that hollowness seems to be true for everywhere on the floor, not specific to those three places. Okay. Yeah, Re Rebecca sits in the rocking chair and watches you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Can we bring the generator over to those spots? Yeah. You bring the generator over to those spots, and oh, again, you're getting warmer, but nothing happens in those spots. Oh, we still technically haven't used what was in the pillow. True. No, you haven't. You found those three rectangles, the, the one with an N on it, the one that looks like a beaker, and the one with a little handle. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I drew it this way, too. Um, okay. Can we put... Do we have to put, like, the suitcase, the beaker, and the magnet in different parts of the room? Potentially. Do you want to try that? Yeah. And see what happens? So then we'll put the magnets in... Does it, does it matter? If we could just left or right, I guess. So magnets in A5. Yeah, let's just say we try all the types of scenarios <laughs> that it could be for where every piece could be. That makes sense. As you do this, you gather up things. So like you grab one of the gunky beakers, you grab a magnet, and you grab your polonium. And you hold them all as you start taking them over. And you stop because while all three of them are in your hands together, something is starting to happen between them. Something about the proximity of all three things together is making a reaction happen. Oh, my God, they're radioactive so, game. Nah. You, you head back over to the beaker table. You put the beaker down back with the rest. And then you hold up the polonium and the magnet to it again. And it's reacting. You aren't sure whether it was magnetic the whole time or like whether the polonium is adding something to it but that black substance is starting to like move around and try to make its way to the magnet and <gasps> oh my god it's yeah. like that magnetic liquid yeah yeah mm. something like that it's Terrible. super weird and so then you leave that one and you go to the next black beaker but this one doesn't have that reaction and so you try the next one and the next one and actually most of them don't react only two of them have this crazy reaction what are the letters? Okay, so that first one that you had, uh, its label was N-O. You 
try to think, oh, I don't know, isn't there one called nobelium or something? Or maybe it's <laughs> nitrogen and oxygen. I don't know. And then the other one is one that says RD. Maybe that's a radium? That's one, right? In fact, isn't that one that Marie Curie also invented? I don't think <laughs> she invented it, but she may have found it. Okay. Wait, like radon? I want to put these I want to put these in the um the case. These four letters in the case. Cool. You go up to it and Rebecca says, "Ooh, what you what are you typing in? What what are you putting in there?" Um, I am putting in N O R D. Oh. You you know that's French for north. Uh, I, that funny cuz you were using the magnets a lot. Huh. Um, yeah. Sure. I scowl okay. at Rebecca with the heaviest scowl <laughs> she has ever seen in her life. Hey, I didn't I didn't make it. <laughs> I don't like that I you brought that... up it being funny after we already had the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, Rebecca. You put N-O-R-D into that camouflaged case and it opens up. And Ooh. inside you find a cube of metallic substance, which is sitting inside a small glass cylinder. And this one is labeled radium. And you can, like, for whatever reason, from this one, you can feel the power emanating from it. Yo, let's stick that thing in the generator. It fits like that's what it was created for. You what? feel like, hey, if the generator needed some extra oomph, it's got it. Yep, okay. We got the power. So it's now the, the only thing you need is the right place. Ooh, good call. Where the heck do we put it? So the generator is most likely going to power something that helps us leave and or uh, restrict slash maintain whatever radiation we're mm, experiencing. To contain this radiation. Mm. Yes. Three places on the floor with this generator... Uh, Rebecca, stand in F6, and I'll stand in A5, and Olivia, stand in D1. Okay. Oh, okay, I, I, uh, whatever. She goes over and does that, and with the- Rebecca's got such an attitude. (laughs) I mean, she works for the coolest person ever, so of course she would. You stand in all three of those places, and with all of you there at once, something happens. That center table- Something makes a clunking noise. You look, but you don't see anything on the table itself. So you get off those spots and you start to look around and you notice that the clunk didn't come from the table itself. It came from the floor underneath the table. A small section of one of the wooden boards has sunken down slightly, making like a big rectangular divot in the floor. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's place it in there. Yep. The generator fits perfectly. Holy cow. Okay. Can we crank it now? Absolutely. You start spinning that crank, and now that it is in this position on the floor, it's got some friction, something that you want. You actually feel like you're having a push. You can even feel the power of the radium sort of juddering some internal mechanisms to life, and a grinding noise comes from beneath the floor. And then there's a rumbling. The room is shaking. And a few feet away from you, Rebecca cries out <gasps> because the floor right under her feet is moving, not just shifting a little bit like this dropped bit under the table. It is full on moving. Oh, my goodness. You okay. drop the crank. You rush over to look. 
And you see revealed a small staircase leading to a door, mm. a very heavy looking door. Looks like it's made of steel. You grab the handle, you swing it open, peer inside, and the space, while it's small and totally empty, its walls are completely solidly built of concrete. And it looks like you may have found the Curie's secret cellar. Holy cow, we're doing it, we got this. So <laughs> we got we gotta stick everything in there, right? We gotta stick all the, the toxic fumes and Yeah, what are you gonna stick in there? Uh we're gonna stick the polonium in there. Fair. Uh we're gonna stick the, the radium. No, we don't have the ra- yeah, the uranium in there. Can we Yeah, the uranium and you Can we yeah. take the um yeah, can we just take like the stuff out of the generator, uranium, radium, polonium, totally. and just put it in there? Yep, okay. too easy. And let's do this quickly. You don't want to be in contact with this stuff for any longer than can we you make need Rebecca to. Do it? You're already probably going to need to do a quick <laughs> hospital trip when you get back. What? I miss that. Can they make Rebecca do it? <laughs> no, don't do that. Why? Yeah, she probably doesn't mind. <laughs> um, all right. Well, she doesn't you... know the consequences. I'm 17. Yeah, she looks a little bit. I got a whole life. She to looks live. a little bit miffed. <laughs> Rebecca's but... technically Rebecca's 87. Rebecca's 87. <laughs> She's been 87 this whole time, and you never asked. I That's rude. You don't ask a woman her age, Bill. What are you ruining here? <laughs> oh my God! Wait, I love She's this. She's not 87. I said she oh. was in her 20s. Oh yeah, yeah you did. That's basically your friends. 80s and the 30s. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In the 30s. Oh. oh my goodness all right well uh you or she however you end up negotiating this picks up the polonium picks up the radium <laughs> takes the uranium hurls all but hurls them down into the secret cellar and slams the door back down after them and rebecca just looks at you bewildered says, are you sure these are that dangerous yes and uh, yeah you are unequivocal about your answer and she sighs as well great I mean, that's going to mean my apprenticeship here is over. Ah, uh, if we can't work with it anymore. But, you know, perhaps it's for the best. I, I have learned an incredible amount from Madame Curie, and I think I'm ready to undertake this scientific investigation of my own seriously. Uh, you asked about it before, didn't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite fun. Uh, like her, I plan to reveal to the world a whole new branch of physics. I won't say much now because I haven't tested any of the theory yet. But, okay, like radiation, I believe I've found a way to, um, let's say, to activate never-before-seen properties of some rare minerals. Mm. And, oh, cool, sounds amazing. If you weren't failing physics, maybe you'd understand a bit more. And maybe by saving her, you saved all of science and you just don't know how. It's quite oh. fascinating. We're, we're still so unaware of the potential in all the atoms around us. And simply by using different forms of energy, light, sound, radioactivity, and she seems like she's keeping on going, but uh, you remember you were given some watches from Doc Bill at the start? They start beeping, and she looks down, startled, but curious, interested, but yeah, she you, you probably shouldn't tell her much about, I don't know, digital watches, especially not time-traveling digital watches, for all you know. If you tell her, she's smart enough that she'll invent time travel herself and that will destroy everything in the timeline. So you guys quickly make an excuse of your choice. I ask her to go get the magnets from upstairs. (laughs) Perfect. And she goes around and while she's doing that, you sneak back up. You grab the doorknob (laughs) that you messed with earlier. You take it back to the front door. 
and you quickly jump yeah. outside because you don't have much time. You get only the slightest glimpse of 1930s Paris before you feel yourself disappear back into the time stream Ooh. and you zoom back to Doc Bill's lab. That was incredible. We communicated through time. My computer gave me constant readouts of your progress. Simply astounding. I'm better at this science thing than even I thought. You hope he's going to congratulate you as much as he's congratulating himself. But back to the matter at hand. What was Greg doing there? I understand the desire to go back and meet Marie Curie, of course, but he must have known the risk of interfering. He almost cost half of Paris their lives. At this moment, Duckbill's computer starts beeping. It's an angry beep, loud and insistent, like an extreme virus warning. <laughs> Duckbill's eyes widen. He whips around to check the screen. And he lets out a sound of triumph. <laughs> All of the students in here crane their necks to look over his shoulder, but the numbers and code scrolling on it don't mean anything to you. And at last, Doc Bill turns back with a big grin. Found him! <laughs> <laughs>